Yeah, welcome to Mr. Z and Fifth with your host, Mr. Z and Fifth. What's going on? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yo, right now I just um, but uh, yesterday um, I received multiple copies of my book that I released called "A Bad Man, a Thug, and a Gangster." Uh, right now it's available on Amazon. It's an action-packed drama book. Um, you can you can just scoop it up. You can look for Wayne Bacchus, W-A-Y-N-E, Bacchus, B-A-C-C-H-U-S, Wayne Bacchus, slash Amazon.com, and just, the book is available right now. A Bad Man, A Thug, and A Gangster. You know, I'm not going to tell you the whole story of the book, but um, I was inspired from, to write the book, I was inspired from um, a song called Batman off our album, I mean the fifth album, called The Example. Um, released that in 2015. The, the story depicts, depicts Batro as a bad man because he is feared and, form, and he formed an alliance with most of the local thugs in Guyana. Uh, he traveled to New York City and when, he, and when he, his cousin Vision called him to take over, take him, take over New York, New York chapter the operation in New York City, um, he took it. O- he took it over while Vision, his cousin, went over to South Florida to um, open up a shop over there in South Florida. So, he so this this operation that Batru's running is called um, it's called the Fly Operation, and uh, the, the the story the story takes pl- takes place in the time of eighties and nineties. That's where it arises from. Eighties, nineteen eighties. It's a drama, action, fictional book. It's full of action, has everything in it, you know, suspense, humor, you know, of course, there's murder in it, and it had, um, Batchel, um, he extorts and he um, squanders and then he forms an alliance in Guyana and they come, come and people are looking for him again and then he comes over to, to and he comes over to New York City because his cousin called him because he, get, cause he had connects and he was making a name for himself and from New York, from Guyana, then he came to New York City, and he made a name for himself. So yeah, go pick up a copy. It's a fun read, and it's a um, and you and you learn from you learn a lot from it, but also you you get a lot of you 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 want to read more and more for it because the story is a, it's a great story I I um created, and that's like I said before I I was inspired to write the story from the song from off the album called um the example album that me and Fifth a duo album gospel reggae and hip hop album. If you want to pick up the album too, you can get it on um, Napster. You can get it on Amazon.com, iTunes, iTunes, Tidal, Google Play. Google Play. Yeah, so the album you can you can scoop up our album too. The, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, I'm not gonna tweet it. It's just a classic album. It because, is a classic because gospel reggae is a gospel reggae and hip hop duo. Our album is a classic. It's a classic album, man, and you know. St- you could still play it ten years from now and still play some of the tunes on there. I'll put this album against anybody's album. That's that's just how confident I am about this project. Yeah, this album was an album that we that it just we worked on, man, and we just we just um put songs together. The duo is is a you don't you really hear you really hear du- duo um reggae and hip hop duos, you know, you know you you have you have Nas and um Damian Damian Marley, you know, you know they but, did that one project together. Yeah, but um you, you know and that and that must be a classic too. But this album, man, we. 
we 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 put it we put it together, man, and we just um, if, we, if we have the mixtape too. We put out a mixtape before we yeah, release this free. album. So yeah, that's high level yeah. mixtape. That's free. You can get so, it on audiomac.piff.com. Yeah, but man. So if you don't mind, just to kind of give people a preview of the book, can you read something out of the book? Oh no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Like a couple sentences, a paragraph, possibly. Yeah. I was born William Tinsdale Batchel. Tell the chapter. Make sure you. It's chapter. It's chapter. This is chapter one. Guyana. Chapter one. Guyana. I was born William Tinsdale Batchel. That's the main character story. William Tinsdale Batchel in 1975 in Georgetown, Guyana. Some people don't know much about Guyana. Well, let me tell you about this beautiful country called Guyana. It is is the only English speaking country in South America. It is considered to be associated with the with the Caribbean region and shares many similarities with other countries in the Caribbean. It's predominantly Indo and Afro-Guyanese. That means Indian and, and Black Af- African Guyanese. That's that's in that's in, in the country of Guyana. Guyana has a tallest single drop waterfall in the world called Cairo Falls, and it's enriches in resources like diamond and gold. You know, well, some people, some some people only heard of, of Guyana because of the Jonestown massacre. The Jonestown massacre happened in November eighteenth, nineteen seventy eight, and it was um the cult leader Jim Jones instructed Americans from Indiana to drink a poison Kool Aid, killing nine hundred and eighteen people. And then I then if it goes from there, you know, it goes into the song that plays the there's a song by a soccer artist named um. Adrian Dutchin that plays um I'm a Guyanese for all the Guyanese people that's um proud of being Guyana all over the diaspora England Canada and whoever migrated from Guyana there's a, there's a song called um I'm a Guyanese by Adrian Dutchin the soca singer out of Guyana and um you know it goes into the history of Guyana a little bit then it goes into the then it goes into Batro's life read something know. from back, uh, Autumn before we do that I just want to let everybody know today's topic is called when good cops speak up, yeah, we're going to say a lot of things. Um, we're giving a brief uh, Promo. introduction, <laughs> promotion to Zacchaeus's book. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to the subject shortly. I just want to have Zacchaeus read something furthermore, probably in the book if he wants to. Mm-hmm. They kind of give some idea and give you a reason about this book. Kind of getting, don't, I'm not saying you got to go into like, a climax part of the book, but try to give us something that's probably yeah, some man. somewhat of a type of action, I guess, of Batro. Okay, let me, yeah, let me yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me us, get into Batro now. Okay, let yeah. me get into Batro a little bit. I was raised in All Boys Town. That's a town in Georgetown, Guyana. I was raised in All Boys Town, and and in 1985, at the tender age of 10, I saw my father murder a man right in in, in our house over a game of dominoes with money involved. My father was crazy. He kept a pistol underneath his pillow. My mother pretended that she didn't she didn't hear, see anything. My two-year-old brother, baby brother, Michael, was crying. My mother picked him up t- to console him. My father was the leader of the notorious Patro Posse. Those boys run things in Guyana. They had a strong connection with the drug trafficking in Colombia. I look up, look up, too, and admire my father because he was feared and 
respected. My father beat a man half to death in front of me because the man owed him money. From that moment on, I had a craving for killing. My father was arrested for drug trafficking, murder, and extortion, and, and has been in prison for at least 10 years now. Oh, man, and on October 7th, 1992, he died in prison from a heart attack. Well, so the guards say. He was 56 years old. When my father died, the bachelor posse fell apart like a crumb cake. Most of the men died and some are serving time in prison. My father's funeral was big. The whole All Boys community came out to attend the funeral. It was held at 21 Victoria Road, Guyana. It rode in Guyana, Rest Haven Funeral Home. I am 21 years old. My father was well loved by the All Boys community. He was a, a Robin Hood for the people. He took from the rich and he gave to the poor. As my mother held me by my right arm and tears flowing down from my eyes and the pastor singing, getting ready to speak and the, Mrs. Moses singing an old gospel song called I Surrender All. I surrender all. I surrender all. I thought to myself that I will continue my father's journey no matter what. So, see, Bacho in the story has a whole, he, he was inspired from his father, man. He looked to his father. That's why it's important to, as men, that we, we are sons to set the example and be an example for our kids because we don't know how, how deep, how close our kids are looking at us. You don't know how close our kids are looking at us for, for all the inspiration, all the things that they, that they do. They look at us. We, when we think they're not looking, they're looking. So, Batro, as a either at tender age, he he admired his father, and he's his father was so it was busy running the, the the posse, it was busy being a bad man in Guyana. People feared him, and he was a and he was a real in the drug lord, and he run the posse. But his son was a, was look his little young son was looking at him, Batro, and then the journey continues as Batro con, continues his father's journey. So, would you when you get a chance out there? Go and get this book called A Bad Man, A Thug, and a Gangster. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good book, good read. It takes back in the 80s and 90s. And it's, it's an action drama book. And I'm telling you, you're gonna continue. you want to read it, you're going to want to read more of it. So this book, I'm telling you, was inspired from a song that I got off the album that we did, Me and Fifth Den, called a, called a, a song called A Bad Man. You know, and... um. You know, we do as we do a little bit of um. We what we do is we do, the album is a dual album, reggae and hip hop album. You know. Okay. Can I play it a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. This is uh, put it closer to the mic. Me, my 
All right, so we're going to get into our topic. That was Batman from my album. Our setup is a little uh, different. I don't have... That's why you heard it from a cell phone. But anyway, <laughs> it's okay, um, man. the album is great. Like I said, it's a classic. So we're going to get into our... Um, once again, Giz- uh, get Gizak, he is his book. Uh, he goes going by his real name on the book, Wayne Backer. So I don't want to confuse that so get my brother's book and we'll get back we'll get back into his book at the end of the show yes definitely so what we got to talk about today is very important we're going to talk about when good cops speak up uh for those of you have heard this show and have heard us and the things we talk about with police brutality we're talking about the consequences of what happens when actual police do say something how you goes to show you how much of a gang Mm-hmm. Uh, this police organization slash army is mm-hmm. is to the point where if you say something, you'll be held accountable, you'll be demonized, and you'll lose your job, or you might get set up to get killed. Mm-hmm. You know, in a line of fire, your partner may not help you. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. how they force people and 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 uh, what do you call? You hear a lot of, and you don't just take my word for it. We're gonna play you a clip. I'll get into that in a second. I'm going to play you a clip that you might have seen that viral about uh, police officers who happen to be police officers who are black and Latino. And they're telling you what they went through speaking up and not falling uh, as pawns to the agenda of this police organization slash gang slash army Mm. is trying to get them to do to people who are disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. So we just had something that just happened. Like I mentioned this last week about what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. The, the, the yes. police officer, Betty Shelby, has she was cleared of all charges. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's back to work and she's going to get thirty five thousand in back pay. Mm-hmm. The days that she could thirty five thousand thirty five thousand in back pay. I mean, who gets that in a year? <sighs> There's a lot of people who don't even get that in a year. In a year, thirty five in back pay. Right. Wow. So the you know wow, I may be kind of misleading how that payment goes. I'm just saying I got the story from uh, Daily Daily News, New York Post, and you know they said that sh- that's what it said thirty five thousand in back pay. So you know she's mm-hmm. she's gonna. She is going to be out there uh, as business as usual. I mean, for those who don't know, when Terrence Crutcher got killed, um, somebody in a helicopter, which that somebody happened to be a husband who worked, who worked, and he said from the cockpit of the helicopter, man, that looks like a bad dude. How do you know? <laughs> the man had his hands up. <laughs> you know, his car was... Like I said, he was having car troubles in the middle of the street. People like the stereotype. Well, yeah, but people like the stereotype, but it also speaks on who they are. And if that's her husband, let's just keep it real. If her husband talks like that and she's married to that man, it's very possible that she believes the same very thing. They share the same sentiments and values. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have people that say, you know, you have people out there talking about uh, they married to a white supremacist 
and then he was married to him for 20 years. Okay, then I'm going to go ahead and assume that you may be too. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, to that yeah. Man for 20, 20 years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, you know, they yeah. say, oh, I'm not racist, but my wife is. Yeah, but that's your <laughs> wife. So you, why, why is she your wife then? Yeah, speaking on that, man. Let me tell you. So speaking on that, I've I've heard stories, man. I heard a story where 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 um, what do you call it? Where a, a white white guy married a black woman, right? And um, he and you know they like to play like to play roles. They like to play little roles, and she and she and they guess they like to play you know sex roles. Oh, Lord. Yeah, <laughs> and she and she said that he wanted to pretend that she was a wench. And he was a, he was a t- slave master, and he, you know, and he used a whip to, whip to get her to do what he want sexually was what he wanted him to do, what he wanted her to do, and she said she was offended by it. But you should have known this bef- that he was this way before you married him. Yeah, and the fact that that's his fantasy that was his fantasy all along when he married her. He's like, okay, I wait. She was she's black. She's black. Okay, so his whole thing was, yeah, I'm gonna get me a black woman and live out my. Slave play fetishes, yeah, and guess where they live? Where Tennessee? Yeah, that's where the KKK started, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So go figure. <laughs> so let me ask you something, man, on mm-hmm. this topic. Yeah, man. Is it, it okay? So I, mm-hmm. we was talking about cops who speak up against police brutality, right? Yeah. Is there any reward? Yeah, is there any reward for anybody uh, who's black who joins the police officer? I mean, I'm sorry, the police. Excuse me. Uh, who joins the police force? Because he wants to um, build a bridge between the police and his people. No matter all the things that we've seen, does it even reward a brother for even doing that? If 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 he's just gonna be called out. On being a good cop, no, because you know what it is. Most, um, well, the police officers they when when you first join the force, um, they see blue, and you and you're considered blue. In other words, in other words, it, they, in other words, some of the officers say there's no black and white. There's just blue. That's a lie. You know, and uh, that's what they say. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and um, and. So when you when you say you want to um, build a bridge between the police and the community, the black community, and the police, it's more like, well, I joined the force, but I'm but I am I am the police, so therefore, I gotta eat, and it goes into like if I see wrong, if I see wrong, should I report it or is or is gonna be my you know what yeah you know so. So it's 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 like a, it's a um, compromise. It's a compromise, yeah. I mean, you know, yes, they do have a lot of good police officers out there, mm-hmm. but they do have some bad apples, right? And the thing is, is that um, you, when it comes to like um, being honest and being upright and honest, you know, sometimes you know you you pay a penalty for that. You pay a little penalty for that. You you could be upright. This this people this there are some officers that have been turned into justice because they did wrong. Some, but in certain cases, no. In many cases, no. And sometimes you got to be careful. You gotta you gotta be. In other words, you gotta play the something. And most of the time, you gotta play the game. Sometimes you get you, you, even if you even if you see another officer doing wrong, you could pull him aside and talk about it. But but 
doesn't be whole be whole you report that officer you can't you could it could backfire on you some stuff can backfire on you so we got so as an officer especially being an officer of um officer of the law black officer sometimes you got to be careful because um if you're not part of that boys club and if you if you if you are a standout like a sore thumb you can be weaned out is is all well some places all about clicks it's all about am i fitting in am i fitting in in order to fit in you got to play the game and if you're not willing to play the game yeah you, gotta be. you, you could be if you're not willing to play the game you could be chumped up many times kicked off the team kicked off the team so know, so so it sounds like what you're saying is that there is no reward for right and you're only saying that because you only the only reason why you're saying that mm-hmm. and I agree with a lot what you're saying is that mm-hmm. when that happens they compromise yeah man the, they compromise uh their paychecks with I need to stand up for what's right right so right, right. what I'm hearing is if you want to stand up for what's right you can't be a police officer that's what it sounds like to me yeah well you know well, because of who's because who's running it that's yeah, why it's, yeah it's not because it's impossible in any situation but if you're going to according to the fbi they said the police force nationwide has so much white supremacy the thing is the fbi gave us that news but they're not doing nothing about it you know what it is you know it's, what i'm it's, saying it's it's, it's 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 um to them they don't feel if it's that if it doesn't benefit the fbi if it doesn't benefit certain things then they don't feel the need to push it, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. If, if not, if that envelope is not pushed as far as like, well, if we, you know, they they, they feel that they see a need in the community. They see they they see there's a need to form an alliance and form a a peace and a truce between the police officers and the in the black community. They see they see a need. There's a need for it. Right now, there's a need for it because every time when people think about a black man, a police officer, or that black and the black man is handcuffed, or the black man is or or done on the, on his on the stomach getting handcuffed they say oh that, well, that brother's in trouble you they, know so they say so, they say I'm sorry they say things like oh we need to retrain these officers no you're just gonna make them better killers right so that code word to me is when we need to retrain these officers mm-hmm. they use that to shut black people up or oh, police reform no so you need to get these race like Tariq Nashi calls them you need to get these race soldiers out of the police force then we could talk about training it's who they hire it's who they put a badge on because yeah because a lot of a lot of times as a police some officers do want to speak up yeah they see wrong they do see wrong and they do see some things that they shouldn't see and they and sometimes they even sometimes they, some of them might even put their partners and say hey what are you doing you know your choke you know chokeholds are illegal what are you doing? Sure. Chokeholds are illegal. What are you doing? That's what killed Eric Garner. Yeah, that's what killed Eric Garner. But They're they, illegal. But, but they say stuff like he got he died because he was fat and overweight. Well, you shouldn't have been around his neck. Yeah, yeah. There's many cases where where some brothers been choked out, and the brothers been, you know. I remember what happened at um certain places that I remember. You know, happening um even at even over here in New York City, Carter, Staten Island, and but. It, same thing happened to a brother I know, you know, choked out because he has cause, and they use his um, asthma as an um, excuse to why he died. Um, 
you know so it, it's it's they it's it's oh, some officers do want to speak up but it's like if they do they're afraid of the consequences they're afraid of the consequences and and remember they and remember they especially if you have a family you want to feed your family so it, it's like if i do what will happen to me so i saw a police documentary real quick yeah explaining the chokehold they said that the chokehold was first actually yes yeah, then they then they deemed it illegal and then they then that's where the baton came from yeah because they felt okay then we need a police police argument was if we can't apprehend this uh uh the suspect or whatever or who we're trying to arrest then we need to find a different form of how to apprehend without killing them right so they that's where the baton came from this is a documentary that I saw about um uh about police in LA yeah but um that didn't stop the chokehold. People still do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we saw Eric Garner right here on Staten Island Bay Street. How he <clears throat> almost caught him to the mic. How he um <clears throat> right on camera. Yeah. And we saw the police officer, Pat Delano, if I'm saying his name right, walk scot free. Mm-hmm. So that didn't get um condemned. Okay. So I want to do this, so that segues into what we're talking about. Yeah. We'll play this clip. Yeah. These are police officers who, were, this was I don't know, a couple of years ago. It was on a, a local Channel 4 New York News, mm-hmm. New York City, and they was talking about the consequences and repercussions that they have to face when they speak up. Right. All right. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Find something. You might not see nothing. You're supposed to be visible. You might not see anything, but you go hunting, like bounty hunting for an arrest. Locking up some, some old guy, some homeless guy, finding somebody who's riding a bicycle on the sidewalk who's spinning, and you bring him in. The problem is when you go hunting, when you pull any type of numbers on a police officer to perform, we are going to go to the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable. Of course, we're going to go to LGBT community. We're going to go to the black community. We're going to go to those people that have no vote, that have no power. Okay, let me stop right there. You see what that man just said? <laughs> now, no power. Mm, I'm going to go right to the black community. He said, mm. he said, I'll just, he said LGBT, which in my opinion, they have, um, they're able to organize better. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, better resources to fight against police brutality than blacks do. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. But he mentioned black people. He mentioned Latino. He said Latino, right? Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me play this again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play that part again. I'm going to play the whole thing. Because I want people to think on that. We are going to go to the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable. Of course, we're going to go to LGBT community. We're going to go to the black community. We're going to go to those people that have no vote, that have no power. If we start doing what we're doing in midtown Manhattan, a phone call to the mayor's office is going to be made. That's going to be the end of it. Where the predators the other prey. The worst thing you can have is a police officer that needs an arrest for the month. So you're all minorities. How does that make you feel? It's, it's horrible. This is something coming from the top that trickles its way down. And this is why we are here today. We first interviewed Officer Edwin Raymond last month. He says he's been recording conversations with NYPD officials for the past two years in an effort to prove alleged quotas and retaliation against cops who don't rack up numbers. They're breaking the law. Raymond's claims elicited this expletive from the police commissioner. Oh, 
It is my response to that. The commissioner insists his policies are focused on the quality of arrests and summonses, not the quantity. The officer's attorney. Is the commissioner lying? Yes. Commissioner Bratton is lying. But how can you prove this? I can prove it with testimony, with recordings, with documents. All he wants us to do is go out there and lock them up. They told us it's, it's, it's easier to get numbers out here because you, you work in this type of community. Are you arresting for stuff that you shouldn't be arresting for? Well, that's why we're here. We don't do it. We refuse. And because of that, we are retaliated against. Because you're not harassing people. You're being punished. You know? And it, it doesn't make for a great work environment. Mm. Because they want you to harass people. The lawsuit claims minority officers are punished more severely than white cops for failing to meet quotas. The city denies it. And the community was suffering the most. Because? Because the pressure. Because the quota. Because the police department is like a whore pretending to be a lady. Hmm. That's what they are. Hmm. Are you worried? You know, this is a big step to come forward like this. It's not easy. It's not easy. Um, we're the enemies. We're the people that nobody talk to. The court- that man just said, we're the enemies, the people that nobody talk to. The actual good cops. That's what this man just said. Hmm. I got I got more to play. But I just want people to think about that. Hmm. This man, so basically, when you're, when you're good, you're evil. But when you're bad, you're a hero? Let me get back to this. This is his perspective. Uh, this is his perspective of the police that that as as a as his struggle hmm. as being a police officer in his skin shoot yeah my, my, let, let me, uh, yeah i'm sorry let me get the rest of this out and then we're gonna get we're gonna get further in the department we are the rats that's how they call us they are, we are the rats that speak out it takes a lot of guts from a rat to stand where we stand Knowing that our career are basically over the second we speak against such a mafia, because the police department is a mafia. It's a, it's a big organized mafia. Again, the police commissioner wow. declined to go on camera to address the allegations. The city has asked a judge to dismiss portions of the lawsuit, claiming the officers haven't begun to prove a case either for quotas or racial discrimination. We will have much more on the story at 11, including what the cops say happens when they don't meet the numbers. Chuck. Sir, thank you. Oh wow! Um, you go first. This is why I be hearing some officers kill themselves because the stress, the stress that comes with it is a lot of stress. Now, when you that's a that's a hard job when you put when you so much pressure is on you to arrest, and and there's no reason for arrest, but you're arresting, and you, there's no reason to harass, but you're arresting and you're arresting people. That I mean, even some. I mean, don't get me wrong. People do crime. People, do, people do a lot of crime. But when when it's when it's pressure put on you to so much pressure that you have to make an arrest no matter what. You got you gotta you gotta put the handcuffs on somebody no matter what. No matter no matter what. Even if there's no crime for for like let's say you gotta reach that quarter. Let's say for like let's say um two months go by and you haven't made an arrest or three months go by they're looking at you. You're looked upon. No matter if the community is good, the community could be a decent community. People honestly working, doing what they gotta do, but you have to be, but you have to somewhere somehow search for an arrest. That's a lot of stress, man. And and um, years ago, when I was 21, I almost joined and I didn't. 
Thank God I didn't, man. Look at that. That's a lot of stress, man. That's a lot of stress on officers, man. It really is, man. And I and I can see why some, some people go crazy on the force. I can see why that they sometimes they lose their mind and they just they just go insane. I can see why sometimes, man. Because if it's not in you, this is why they retire early. Because it's a lot of stress with that. It's a lot of stress when you put on the blue uniform. It's a lot of stress. So when they, when as soon as they hit that 25 market, most of them bounce. Because they're like, yo, I can't do it, man. I, you hear them. I said, listen, I'm 40 years old and I just retired, man. I can't I can't do it, man. It's a lot of stress. Man. I got to do. I gotta change my career and do something else. Or I got to... Go, go back to school and do something else. Change my whole career. And a lot of them do that. Because there's some officers I know that retired and they do that. They just say, listen, I'm glad I'm off. I did my 25. I'm out. Bounce. I'm out. Now I'm, now I'm doing, uh, doing something totally different to what I, I want to do. Something, I don't even want to put on another uniform. I want to do something totally different. It's a lot of stress on them, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. So when, a, when, you're trying to, when you're trying to do the right thing, it's always tougher. It's harder, man. You know, it's really hard. All right. Here's what I got to say about that. That right there was sick. <sighs> and, it's, and it's freaking demonic. <laughs> but he said the right thing. One of the brothers in that video said the right thing. There. He said that it's that being a police officer is like being in a mafia. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They talked about how they were called the rats and how they were deemed as being bad. And that's why I said earlier, how is it the cop that that commits actions of police brutality be held as the hero in this uh, dominated white supremacy system? Mm. But then somebody who even, I think even if uh, you don't even have to be a black cop to speak of, even a white cop who speaks up and says, yo, this is wrong, this shouldn't be happening, they'll lose their job too. Yeah, of you course, know? yeah. That's why most yeah. most of the time they don't say nothing at all. Spe- you know, especially white officers. Yeah. They don't say nothing at all. They get with the program. Yeah. Or like you said, they just retire because they don't want it on their conscience no more. But the thing is, what you saw happen is still and you did nothing about will still stay on your conscience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that right there was sick. This man said we're going to go to those who don't have no vote, no voice, no vote, no voice, no representation. That's where that, this is where I, this is where I call them an army. Because first off, to me, that's war. Okay. So there's a war being waged on the people that he said that he was told to discriminate against or basically whatever, mm-hmm. you know, more so on black folks. You know what I'm saying? You know, my man said, you know, my man said what he said and you and, and here they got to go through that. And here you hear a lot of them talk about how the, how you could, you know, you could lose your job. And I like the fact that one of the, I like the fact that, you know, they was, she was like, you know, all you guys concerned is it concerned you that you, to me, they're the heroes. Yeah. To me, these guys who speak up against that, they're the heroes. They're the heroes. Yeah. Yes. You, Mm -hmm. you should be celebrated for what you do. Well, wait, let me actually, let me not say celebrated. Well, let's put it like this. If you're standing up for something that's right and, and you're, um, 
and you're standing against what is uh, what is the wrongdoing that is happening to people. Yes. Then okay, yeah, I'll celebrate you for that because you stood up and you fought, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you shouldn't be celebrated for doing your job if that's part of your description. I just wanted to make that distinction mm-hmm. because it's like a cop does. It's like you know, a cop arrests somebody and doesn't kill him. And then we say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus. But that's only because we don't want him dead. I mean, it's to that point mm-hmm. where police brutality happens so often that we lose track of who's getting killed, you know, uh, this morning. Mm. And then when we hear, let me tell you something. I'm going to keep it real. When I see police, I get nervous because I'm not knowing. I'm, you know, I see every day. What police are doing to people who look like me and you? Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, I ain't even do, I ain't even doing nothing. I'm not even doing nothing. But that's what happened with a lot of these cats. A lot of them wasn't. This is what I hear all the time. Okay, from suspected white supremacists and white supremacists, they say, "Well, if you ain't doing nothing, then you shouldn't be worried." Okay, so then how about they come to your neighborhood and do stop and frisk on you every day with your father, your mother, your whoever, your family members, your friends? You wouldn't like that. And you said you ain't doing nothing wrong. Hmm. Oh, if you ain't doing nothing, you should have nothing to worry about. If you ain't doing no crime, then you ain't got to worry about getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, may I remind people that a lot of the people that we talk about today who have gotten killed because of police brutality didn't do a crime at all. Hmm. You know, those who mm-hmm. were black and Latino. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, may I remind you but see, when you're oblivious to something, you can't speak on it. If you don't, if you can't relate to 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 it like that, then I can't allow you as an authority to speak on it. Because basically, what you're saying is, "Oh yeah, there's racism, but black people should do something about it." What? Well, I've heard, I've heard this. I heard I heard somebody ask me, "When did we become? <laughs> when did we become the gatekeepers of our own?" De- of our own historical demise, demise, yeah, from slavery. I don't mm. understand that. Mm. We are mm. not the gatekeepers of that. Y'all, y'all are. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it ain't, it, 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 it ain't like we denied our, ourselves all of the resources. A lot of the resources were stolen. First off, every resource period was stolen from uh from Africa. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every resource. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, it is the job of the people within the police force Mm -hmm. to do it. But here's the thing. Sometimes the sickness needs something from the outside Mm -hmm. to push it out. The sickness Mm -hmm. can't heal itself. It's not doing it. Some people say, give it time, it'll heal itself. That's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. This disease has spread it. Across the nation. You know, some people think, oh, it's just my city. No, it's every city. It's every city. It ain't just, yeah, that was New York, right? But that's every city. That's every city. So to answer, to to go to what you said earlier when I asked you, is there a reward? Heck no, there ain't no reward. No, there's no. Because of that right there. Like like, like, like somebody responded to, to, to this, this, um, to what was written on the uh, acquirer, you know, they said there's no benefit for the police officers when the police officers are report. When a good police officer reported, what is what does it benefit for him or her? 
when they when they see something, they don't and they and they report it. They there's no benefit in it for them, so they therefore they keep silent. Um, yeah, but like you go what, like what, going back to what you say, um, it it, go, it plays on your conscience though. Yeah, it plays on your you gotta live with your conscience. You gotta get up in the morning and you gotta go to bed and it plays on your conscience. That's about it. But is there is there a um, benefit for it? Probably not. You know, so when it, it, it's 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 done by doing if if I if I do see it and and if I'm not playing with the, playing with the team, what will happen to me? Mm-hmm. What will happen to me? What a backfire on me? And that's what a lot of officers are afraid about. If if I if I do speak up. What does thing backfire? If I do see wrong, and I do see corruption, do am I if would I be in trouble if I speak out? Right. Now, if if let's say if you do speak out, would you be exempt as a hero? You may, most likely you will be exempt as a hero, but. The the threats that people are worried about threats and worried about, but they about feeding their families. Now, in a sense, you you might say that okay, if I do speak out, will my family be harmed? Would I be harmed? Because there's so much corruption out there. There's so much corruption in certain places and high places. Or would I just have to quit and do something else? Because I can't deal with the pressure, I can't handle the pressure of being an officer and standing for truth and rights and justice. Now, now they have some officers that do that do do the right thing. There's a lot of officers, a lot of officers out there that do do the right thing. But the only only question is is that wow, what if I see wrong, would I report it, and would I? How would it affect me, or would I benefit from it? Now, most people, some some would say that they they won't benefit from anything. They can't benefit from it. If they report it, they won't benefit from it because it might backfire on me or my, I, I got a family to feed. I got to pay some bills. You know, so. In any job, you know, a lot of people deal with that. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm actually recording you right now on Instagram real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just giving a little... Give a little sneak peek, uh, sneak peek of how we do things on uh, our podcast. So yeah, man. I'm going to bring it back to you once again. Mm-hmm. Whether, yeah. it, whether it be city enforcement, law enforcement, uh, federal law enforcement, mm-hmm. any type of, uh, you know, law, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they're under pressure. A lot of know, pressure, yeah. But, but it just goes to show you what exactly they're about. I know mm-hmm. some people, this is kind of hard for a lot of people to understand. I, I I would probably say, I say stuff like this, right? A lot of people will say in counter arguments, okay, there are all good cops out there. Yes, there is. Show a lot. me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to show me. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people will deem, this is what happens. Some brother, some, some young brother, some sister, whatever, young or old, does something out there. And then the media will say all black people is bad without actually saying those words. But that's how the media does. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's how the media will do. But then when a cop does something 
they'll say, oh, well, he was doing his job or not all cops are bad. So what will happen is that when you see a crime that happens from somebody black, like, for instance, that shooting that happened in Dallas. Remember when the brother? Now, they killed him right on the spot. So they the, the justice happened. They gave, right, they, right, gave, right. they gave him street justice. Yeah, man. Because some Damn. people will say, uh, suspect that white supremacists out there and white supremacists will say, oh, well, how come when somebody, how come when uh, a police officer, get, police officer gets killed, um, nobody marches? Well, first off, because when a police officer gets, gets, gets killed, especially by somebody black, that black person is either thrown under the jail or he's killed right on the spot. But you see stories of, the, of all the time of, yeah. of white people who have killed cops and they, you know, get in a courtroom. Hmm. They get to see another day more so than somebody black who does. Now, if you yeah. kill a cop, that's that, that's your behind. I, I'm not saying that's your behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you do that, I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying it in that sense. Yeah. I'm not backing up nobody who does that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't care who you are. Yeah, yeah. It's not ju- yeah, it's not justified. That's not justified. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it just goes to show you mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. You know? You know? Yeah. So I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna bring it back to you. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give somebody who wants to be a police officer th- uh, these days? Uh, being what I just played and what we just talked about today, what advice would you give somebody? I said, if you want to be a police officer, it's a it's a it's a rewarding job, but you got to be careful because 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 you can you go you go in there with the right intentions, the right intentions to do to service your community, the right intentions to be an asset to your community and be and be an example to to people that's looking at you as an officer wearing the blue uniform. You know, you you are you are looked upon. And they're looking at you to be a to be an example, to to, to set the, the laws and to go there and to make a difference and to and to and to be a help in the community. But don't go in there thinking that you're above the law, but some people do. They go in there thinking that they're above the law and they can do any anything because you are the law, so you can do anything and you can and you can break rules and you can treat people any in any such way. You can treat um, people in communities in, in a harsh and harmful way, like especially young black youths in a in a way where it's like very disrespectful to them, and it's very very disrespectful to even to even the some of the older folks. You know, you 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 handcuffing you, and you know, and they want to heard they want to bring back the suburb frisk in New York and certain places. That's what I heard. Uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah you but, talk about but, president yeah, said he so, wants that nationwide. So, so you want to join the force. Be please be respectable, man, and 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 try to understand where that person is coming from. Hey, listen, if they do a crime, they must do the time. If they do a crime, we're not saying that that people are innocent and they and they don't do crime. But if you, but but please be honest and please, when you wear that uniform, please be respectable when you wear it. I mean, there's people that's not respectable to to people wearing the blue uniform too. I understand that, I know that, but but please, if you wear it. Don't don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. Don't 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 think you're above the law. You know? Always be mindful of that well that 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 person that you threw down could be your brother. That person that 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 you handcuffed innocently could be your your brother. Or that person that that old man that you tumbled across the head could that could have been your dad or that could have been your you know what I'm saying? 
So we we gotta we gotta um, respect ourselves, and we gotta um, and when you wear that uniform, if you want to join the force, join it because you want to make a difference. Join it because you wanna you wanna you wanna um, represent the police department in a positive way, not in a negative way. Address the stop and first thing I just mentioned. How Donald Trump said during a debate, he said it during the live. He said it during the presidential debate. He said. He was he was compliment. He was given a compliment to stop and frisk in New York. And then he was talking about how he wants it nationwide. And the moderator said, well, you know, that was deemed unconstitutional. Let me tell you something that didn't stop him from saying what he wanted. Go to what go to that. Yeah, it's it's, it's like this, man. Stop and frisk is it doesn't. I will stop and frisk a few times and I can speak on it boldly. And I would say it. It is stereotypical. It is it is by bi- is bias. It's stereotypical. And it shouldn't even be in, in, in the New York City diaspora. It shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even come back because it is so biased. It is so, and they stereotype you. What they do is, it's whoever never experienced it is they, 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 they look at you and they see you either driving or they see you walking and automatically they just pinpoint you as a criminal. Automatically you just looked at somebody like a suspicion and they, and they, and they handcuff and they, what you're doing is you're handcuffed. Because it, because they said they're putting the handcuffs on you for, for the, for their own safe, for say, listen, we're putting the handcuffs on you for our safety. And what they do is they vandalize you. They, they empty, like what happened to me when I was a kid. They empty your back. You walk on, I'm walking from school. They empty them backpack on the streets. They, they throw you all your belongings out in the street like you, like you did, like I did a crime. And now all I was doing is coming back from school. Or, 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 or they, or they, they, they when you're crossing the street, the car pulls up in front of you and you're trying to cross the street and then they throw you on the, on the, on a car on top of the hood saying that, oh, well, you look like you had a concealed weapon. And, but yet when it was, it was not even a concealed weapon. It was a pen, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's still so biased. It should never bring that back. I mean, this, it would, this, we would, it would be an uproar if they bring that back and it shouldn't even come back because it's so stereotypical. It's so biased. It's, it's they, they put, they, they look at you and there's a, they look, especially young black people and Latinos, they look at them and, and they automatically, you, you looked upon them like a, like, a, like, like you did something wrong and you, yet you didn't do nothing, anything wrong, you know? So. Can you briefly go into your experiences in further detail, like as far as when this happened? Well, a few years ago, um, I was, no, no, actually, no, this was years ago, but I could go into that one too when I was a kid. When I was coming from high school, um, I was walking from the school. And I, not, I didn't live too far away from the school, so I was able I was able to walk. I was not driving yet. Remember, I was coming out of high school. And all of a sudden now, these two undercover police officers, white, um, grabbed me. And they said it looked like I had a concealed weapon. They grabbed, they took my book bag off of my shoulders. They put the handcuffs on me. They pushed me against the wall, put the handcuffs on me, emptied my bag on the street in front of everybody, broad daylight, and said it looked like I had a concealed weapon on me. Um, I was embarrassed. People stood, stood around me staring at, staring at me, and they, was, and they were yelling at the cops saying, yeah, we know why you did that. We know why you, yeah, 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 you only do it, you only come around here and do that to us, right here on Staten Island. So walking from um I sixty one. This happened on um if, you, if those who don't know um it's happened on Staten Island, um Jersey Street, 
um, years ago. And then second time, walking the street, I was in um, I was in Brooklyn. If who do, who do, who knows Brooklyn? Um, Clarendon Road, Beverly Road, and over there in Brooklyn. Um, coming from the studio. Um, DTs came out the car, rushed out the car. They was coming in a black um, black um sedan, and they came right out the car. Black. They came out the car. Four of them, four officers came around me and said, "Y'all look suspicious." Walk in the neighborhood. Now, this is, now may I remind you, this is maybe about five o'clock in the afternoon. Just coming from a studio. I was coming from a studio called Rough Stuff Studio. And, um, they, they surrounded me and said, Oh, you look pretty suspicious. Some, they, they had a report of a suspicious being in the neighborhood. Now, I'm walking, I'm leaving the studio. So what they did was they, I uh, said, they're going to put the handcuffs on me. I said, for what? I, I told them I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just leaving the studio. I said, no, no, no. You look suspicious. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the handcuffs. You're not under arrest, sir, but we're going to put the handcuffs on you for our own safety. Now, the the other, the other people in the studio came out of the studio, and they were like, what's going on? We just came out of the, we just came out of the studio. What's going on? They said, oh, no, no, stay back. They're yelling at them, stay back, stand back. No, stand back. The officers are yelling at them. No, no, they're in plain clothing. Stand back. We doing our job. Stand back. Now, and they were like, what did he do wrong? He just, he just stepped out of the studio. What did he do wrong? Stand back. There's none of your concern. Stand back. He looks suspicious. Now, that was the second, that was second time I was violated. I can go into my third one too. I can go into my third one when I was violated. Go ahead. Now, I'm driving. On um, a certain part of Staten Island, Victory and Bay, pulled over. Uh, and I was not speeding, just pulled over. Now, this was maybe about midnight. It was midnight. I was coming from Brooklyn, midnight. And um, I was to step out of the car. I was, asked, I was asked to step out the car. And I stepped out the car. And they said, listen. Um, we're gonna we're gonna stop your car because it looked like you, you know you. Where are you going? This is twelve midnight. Where are you going? I said, first of all, I'm going home. I'm this came from Brooklyn. I know it's midnight. I didn't know we had a curfew, so I came step out of the car. They checked the, my vehicle. They checked the ransacked my vehicle. They checked to see if I had any narcotics in it. They checked. They told me to pop the trunk open. They checked my trunk, and then all of a sudden now they was like. You know, stay right there, sir. Keep your hands on the hood of the vehicle. I said, am I under arrest? What's going on? They said, no. You just look suspicious. We're just checking to see what you have on you. This is why they shouldn't bring back the stop and frisk. I'm just giving you examples of why they shouldn't bring it back because you are you are labeled, you are stereotyped, you are you are are, are focused on as a as a as a suspect, as a criminal. You know, that's, a, that's, I was violated many times because of stop and frisk when Giuliani was here. I was violated many times. And, and I, I'm sure other people can vouch for that too. And they know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? When the, when the roundup comes and the, the big party, the black van comes and round up our brothers on the streets at night, they know what I'm talking about. They, they can speak for, they can speak on that. So, this is why they shouldn't bring me out to stop and frisk. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, it's the fact that 
some people believe here's the thing stop stop and frisk only when it comes to a certain kind of people so that's yeah that's that is deemed unconstitutional mm-hmm. but that's not going to stop those from bringing it to the, you know they always talk about chicago mm-hmm. oh well we're going to put this in chicago that's a code word for not just chicago but baltimore mm-hmm. new york la mm-hmm. philly any you know any type of neighborhood or city that is has a black population Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. Yeah, this ain't no race card stuff. This is real because the numbers proved it. They were talking about how many people got stopped and frisked, uh, blacks and Latinos, and then they talked about the ones that actually did the actual crimes. Mm. They, but they had stopped so many people just mm-hmm. to even get a a small number. They mm-hmm. stopped so much of a large number. Mm-hmm. Just to get a small, and they use neighborhoods as an excuse. So, well, this neighborhood is worse, so we got to do more of it here. As whereas what was happening is that you was hearing stories about brothers walking in Soho and Chelsea, and mm, these are neighborhoods mm, in Manhattan, mm. and they were getting stopped and frisked. Mm. But the but that is more; those areas are more of um of what you would call upper middle. Upper, upper class middle, upper whites, middle, I, I yeah. guess, mm-hmm. those areas, right? Mm-hmm. But only the black people that were walking in those neighborhoods were being uh, stopped. <laughs> that sounds, that doesn't sound fair to me. <laughs> I can name a situation, it ain't stopping first, but I've had a cop threat in my life. Oh, man. You know, when I was a kid. Man. You know, uh, me and my friends, we was in a, a Walmart. At the time, I wasn't in New York, but mm-hmm. it was at a Walmart. And, um, one of my friends, she had my, um, I was a kid. I was like 12. She, you know, she had a, 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 my, a cap gun. You know, like little cap toy guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Officer asked, who was it? I said, that's mine. <laughs> well, because, you know, I didn't want to put her on the spot. Right. So, you know, she was like, um, I mean, he was like, you know, if you would have pulled that gun out, I would have shot you here, here. Like he was pointing on my body. So he pointed to my head, neck, chest, stomach, shoulders. He said, I would have shot you here, 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 here. He, he named like wow. nine, nine areas. Wow. And then I said to him, it, and then I said to him, it takes that much to kill me, officer. Wow. I'm 12 wow. years old with that kind of wisdom to say that. Wow. I was a common collector because my mother taught me at a young age to uh to watch it with police. <laughs> at a young age. I didn't get all crazy. Right, I didn't right, at all. Right, right, right. My mm-hmm. friend, he had a BB gun on him. He ended up getting arrested that day because we ran into some people that we used to go to school with, uh, some some white supremacists who, yeah. who threatened us racially, threatened yeah. my life racially and said wow. that and said that they was gonna and, and put me on a hit list. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was 12 years old. I was in, uh, 12 years old, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not stopping frisk, but, you know, I've had a cop, like I said, threaten my life. Wow. Put you know what I mean? There, put the bullet there. Yeah, he was, he was pointing on my body where he would shoot me. Wow, man. That's just crazy, man. His partner was dead, didn't say nothing. You know, like we, I said, like I said we, before, man. Well, we, cause I think maybe I'm telling it a little ahead of, the, we got what happened was my friend had the BB gun. Mm-hmm. My man walked up on uh, uh, the cash that we seen. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's three white boys. 
You know, they they were some they were some straight up they were skinheads with hair basically. Right, 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 right. And they hated me for no reason, just because I was black, <laughs> and because I wasn't no uh, scared black man. That's another thing. I yeah. was I was willing to fight all of them. Right. Wow, 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 wow. See, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I was willing to fight all of them. How old were you around that time? Twelve. Right? This twelve is years old. Twelve. Oh wow. You know, because they, you know, calling me the N-word and everything. All, all, ty- all types of stuff. Man. Oh, wow. All types of stuff. I, I ended up uh, putting my hands around one of them around one of them one day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <sighs> you know, and, 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 you know, it was, I was, it was, it was ridiculous. So, you know, you know, they was like, uh, yo, he threatened me with a BB gun. I'm going to be real with you. I don't know what my man did. Hmm. I don't know what he did. Hmm. Did I know he had the BB gun on him? Yes. I ain't saying no names, so I'm not like snitching. Yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. But but he he walked up on Cat because he was bullying his brother, which was one of my friends. Mm. And he was like, yo, you leave my brother alone, man. We're going to have a problem. He was older than us. Right, right, right. He right, was right, in high right. school. Yeah. He was like 14. 14. Yeah. Time. Okay. Okay. You know, they arrested him. You know, they arrested him. They didn't arrest us, but they arrested him, mm-hmm. you know. And, and you know, <laughs> cop threatened my life. I'm like, dang, you ain't even threatened. Uh, you threatened my life, but you didn't threaten my man over here with the BB gun. Wow. <laughs> and I'll admit, his BB gun did look real to some degree. Whew, yeah. Wow. You know, my cap gun was uh, orange. Oh, orange! It was like orange and like a uh, uh, teal blue kind of color. It was right, some right, weird, right. weird blue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And the reason why I had it on me because I was at, 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 at I was buying more caps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came home. My mother was like, "Yo, you can't have no more. Threw that in the garbage." Because she said, "Yo, God forbid somebody see that and kill you." Right. That's true. She, yeah, she's right. She was right. Yeah. You know, I, uh, a cop woke up on me and asked me for ID because he thought, you know, what he thought. I showed him my ID and he was like, right, you can go. So, you know, you yeah. I had situations like that. But as far as like being thrown up against the hood of a car, uh, no, I haven't had that situation. You know, you know, you know, you know, what, you know what a guy told me yesterday when what? I was at the cookout, a white guy from England, you know, he yeah. asked me, he said, how does it feel? What is it to be a black man? How in, in this country, how, how does it feel? What is it to, to, to experience black? being black here i mean i listen i don't know because i listen i, I i'm protected by the, the supremacy I, I i don't know <laughs> he said that yes he said i don't he know. said he's protected from white supremacy yeah so he doesn't so I, I don't so know he so, just, so, so yeah so he's also no he said what is it ex- well at least experience? he knew well at least he knows his truth yeah he said and they don't like he said oh, listen my folks don't like to speak about it but i want to know what is it how does it feel to be because every day you know you're a decent listen you're you're a decent black man decent citizen you do what you gotta do you go to work you go to school you do what you gotta do to feed your family and everything and and but yet your life is you don't know if you're gonna make a home because your life is threatened by 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 police and and by certain things that you you know but the cops follow you home and all type of stuff so and 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 when we look at police he said when i look at police they're 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 there to protect but when you look at the police it's almost like a threat Mm. when you see police you almost see it like a threat so i want to know how how does it feel to be black man how does it feel man 
<laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, at least he knows it's truth because this man said he's protected about. Uh, look, I don't know if all white people know that, but that's what they teach them. You know that. Yeah. You know that they they don't ever have to ever feel like how we feel. So they will. The problem is when you use it against us. It's like okay, you a lot a lot of white folks will say. Uh, my my parents had nothing to do with slavery. Well, if we look down the history. It's possible that maybe your grand's grand's parents might have. But yeah, even if, but yeah, even if they yeah. didn't, but even if they didn't, they benefited from it. Eight mm-hmm. percent uh, of whites own slaves, but a hundred percent of whites benefited from the slavery that happened. Mm. You know, all the you know, whether it be at that time or now, because this country, white supremacy rules because of the because what white supremacy took the lives of to get to where they're at mm-hmm. you know i don't have like i like i say all the time i don't have a problem with white folks as a matter of fact i love i, I love my people first but i love well, i love everybody right I'm not afraid to say i love my people first i love everybody I ain't about that i ain't got a problem with white people man yeah i, I know some good white people some yeah, that you know that I have in my life. Some I, mm-hmm. I can count on one hand. Actually, I can count on one hand and have about like four fingers left. <laughs> I'll just give it a real. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But you mm-hmm. know, so it's not. It's not that. It's 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 the white supremacy I have a problem with because the white supremacy is a system that discriminates against everybody, even poor whites. Yes, but at least yes. poor whites can say, "Well, at least I'm not black." You have. White people who are poor, poorer than some black folks, right? And still will have more constitutional rights than rich black folks. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, facts. Yes, yeah, facts. Yeah, it's true. Facts. Facts. So, what, mm-hmm. so anything you want to say closing out? I'm gonna let you. Yeah, you man. Go ahead, because we got to get up out of here. Yeah, man. So I'm just just trying to say, if you want to join the force. Um, make sure you join it for the right reasons. Make sure you join it until you want to make a difference in the community. You want to make a difference in someone's life. You want to, you want to be able to save lives and 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 also be able to be, and be have a rewarding career. You know, um, but but don't join the force to be a bully, to 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 go above the law, think that you're above the law, because that's when you get in trouble. That's when you get in trouble. Is when you think that you're above the law. You know, so so be mindful of that. Be mindful of that. Also be mindful of that. Always. Yeah. Yeah, man. Here's what I want to say. If you want to see a difference in your communities when it comes to police brutality, you must form your own. That's pretty much what it comes down to. And the only reason why I say form your own, I'm not saying I'm not I'm what I mean by form your own is like the Black Panthers did. They organized within their own communities and they dealt with the crime in their own communities. A lot of people don't give the Black Panthers that credit. Oh, no, they never were, man. Uh, it was it was uh, to protect us from police brutality because their presence did that or mm-hmm. to the best of their ability before, yeah. you know, the yeah. FBI came together and took them down. Mm-hmm. But 
it goes to show you how they took them down, but the KKK is still able to recruit and have. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Yo, yo, the the worst the worst, when I when the worst crime that was done was um when they um killed um Fred Hyman, man, and then they killed uh, when they, well Bobby Hunt was killed because he was came out with tear gas and everything, but <laughs> but Fred Hyman was he killed that brother in his house, man. Shoo. Man, man, they really infiltrated the 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 um. If you was even part of that when they was trying to when they was taking down the the pandas, they they were just man, they were taking no shorts, man. They was shooting us, kill, killing people, killing the pandas, like shooting them, just 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 shooting them. Not even knowing that there was shoot first, ask questions later. That's how it was. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're the ones that open the food, pr- free food program, and the, and the health, you know, the, um, you know, giving the health, the health to to the community, and the, open up the free f- free food, free lunch programs, you know. They, but yeah, but they don't, but they don't want to um, get them credit for that though. Well, they're the reason why you, we have free uh, food clinics. You, I mean, I'm sorry. They're the reason why we have free. Uh, one of the reasons why we have free clinics, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, free food for kids programs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. WIC, mm-hmm. WIC, yeah, yep, yep, WIC. WIC stands for Women, Infant, and Children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. But they are deemed as uh, criminals. You know, here's my thing: anytime you stand up for black folks, you will always be deemed as a criminal. That's just how it is—a <laughs> villain. That's why I said, how is it that, I mean, here they were talking in that clip I, I, I played. They were viewed as the bad guys, but yes, the bad yes, guys mm-hmm. are viewed as the heroes. As the that heroes. doesn't make any sense. They're speaking out against y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're speaking mm-hmm. out against y'all. Mm-hmm. Y'all shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, it, it always beams that way, you know? It, it's always like that. And it's yeah. a dang shame. Yeah, you know what I mean? Always... So any final thoughts? Yeah, man. So you know, it's just that we gotta be we gotta be just uh, mindful of those things, man. And um, we know what go we know what goes on out there. Though, uh, those who are not aware, you better we better wake up and ask somebody, man. It's it's real, man. And um, police officers face this all the time. Um, because face good and evil all the time. They should you always doing the right. Should, would you benefit by doing the right thing? Or would you ben or or would you not benefit by just or you just or just keeping silent, playing the game, you know, giving your time and when your time is up, you see wrong, you see evil, but you stay you stay silent, you know. But my thing is, you always got to go home to yourself, and you always got to face yourself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My final thought is this. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You, you, yeah, that was that was it, man. It? Yeah. Okay. So my final thought is this. I'm gonna use an example to kind of help this out. There was an episode of Scandal that I just so happened to watch. Actually, this was like two years ago. This was during the Mike Brown situation. That's what I'll call it. Or execution. I like the, that's what that really was. That was an execution. There was an episode where we where there was almost like a similar Mike Brown. The only difference was the father was out there protecting his son's innocence, and he was willing to die 
for his son's innocence. Hmm. Olivia Pope was in the police department bringing this uh, race soldier to justice or trying to. Mm -hmm. And and he went on some soliloquy, some rant. I mean, the man was yelling so hard that he was spitting. (laughs) Okay? And he talked about you know, you uh, we do everything for you people, but you out there marching against us, and you do this, and you do that, and you do that, and you see this uniform, you know, and all you see is all you see is cop. This man, let me just break down. So, from his white supremacist view, he's saying that he's being discriminated against. He's being uh job discriminated against basically professionally discriminated against because of his uniform. Mm. But guess what? You could take your uniform off me. I'm black when I was born. And when I die, I'm going to be a black man. I can't take that off. Hmm. No matter how much cake soap I use, I will still be a black man. Michael Jackson was born with an afro and a wide nose, like a lion. <laughs> and then the man died looking like an alien with a nose that could only, that if it sneezed, it would probably blow off. <sighs> but that didn't stop people from viewing him as a black man, did they? Because they remember what he used to look like. So ain't no matter world of cake soap and hair transplants. And no surgery is going to change you from being black. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. This man said that he don't, he, he feels, uh, what do you say in that show? He said something about how, how he feels when he puts the uniform on and how he's looked at and stared at and how nobody trusts him. This <laughs> man just basically committed a, he, he executed on the show, executed a brother. And then he talked about how he gets treated. You just executed him. Mm-hmm. You have no right to tell black folks how they should feel. You have no right. And if you're, uh, uh, and if you're Uncle Tom, step it, fetch it, minstrel show, red lips having, black face rocking, coon, shoe shining, eye bucking man, <laughs> woman, then you have no need to tell other black people how to feel because you have surrendered yourself. You've given up. <laughs> Hear me? You've surrendered yourself. You have no, you want to be in a sunken place, go right ahead. But keep your mouth off of us. Tell them. That's all I got to say. That's right. Before I say something that, that, that will probably get me in trouble with the law. All right, let's end this on a good note. I know that kind of sounds... Okay, let me do a solution. I'm sorry, because that sounds kind of crazy. I got to remember, we're still ministers at heart. Yeah. So it could be kind of rough. Okay. What I want to say is this, to kind of finish off. And if you want to get back in this, I'll let you go ahead. So what I want to say is this, on on a good note. If you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Whether you are in a police force or whether you're just a law-abiding citizen, things happen when you can when silence silence equals consent. That's one of the things Martin Luther King uh, would say. But mm-hmm. it's more than just saying something. You gotta do something. 
Mm-hmm. Saying something is an action. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, from the top down, the police organization needs to be read. They need to go in there and fire everybody who's a white supremacist. Everybody. FBI gave us that news, but didn't do nothing about it. So what you need to go in there is you need a clean house. And you need to put people in there who are willing to do the right job. Taxpayer money is going into the salaries of these police. So they are by oath supposed to protect and serve. Okay. That's what's supposed to happen. So yeah, what man. I want to say is mm. that I want to shout out to new era because new era uh, has a, a nice community watch programs in uh, new era, Detroit and any other chapters that I have missed. Uh, you should join them. Uh, keep them cameras ready. You know, and teach our people their rights when they get pulled over, when they get stopped. And when, you know, there should be some level of protection there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying you jump in front of bullets because that just equals more people dead. But um, I would have to say to some degree, you do have to be willing to put your life on the line for a future generation to come. Otherwise, this is going to continue to get worse. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) how many Terrence Crutches, Eric Garner's. Oscar Grant's Tamir Rice's do we have to happen before something before there's a before there's a revolution? <laughs> oh, people are saying, oh, the media is showing a lot of these things to uh, provoke a race war. Um, let me just say something to black folks. You have been in a race war for over 500 years <laughs> and you didn't even know it. <laughs> You're already in one. <laughs> they say the best way to kill a people is for them to know that they're not even being hunted. Wow. Wow. Facts. And that's all I got to say. Facts. Wow. Talk about your book before we get out of here. Yeah, man. So, yo. um, Action drama book. Once again, the bad man, the thug and the gangster is a good read. Um, it talks about a, a man coming up from um, Guyana. South America, and it takes back in the eighties and nineties, and it, and, it, and he deals with um, extortion. He's a gangster, that, and he gets involved. He follows his father's footsteps. That was a, that was a gangster. His father dies, and he follows his father's footsteps, and he and he gets into extortion. He gets into malice. He gets to to um, murder. He gets into all type of stuff. You know, and as in the book, I was inspired to write from from the book. I was inspired to. Write the book off of a song called Batman off our album, me and the fifth general's album, album called The Example. So yeah, go get, copy yourself a copy today. It's available on Amazon.com. Wayne Backus, W-A-Y-N-E, Backus, B-A-C-C-H-U-S, slash Amazon.com. Yeah, go get that copy, man. It's a good read. So yeah, thank you for the support. Tell the people where they should reach you at. You can reach me at yo Wayne Backus um, B A C C H U S on Facebook. Wayne Backus on Facebook. You can also reach me on Instagram, Zacchaeus Z A C C H E U S Zacchaeus B seventy three on Instagram and on Twitter, Wayne Backus two. On Twitter is Wayne Backus two. Uh, last name is B-A-C-C-H-U-S Wayne Backus 2 On Twitter So yeah You can link me right there man You can also get at me At the 5th general 
Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's simple. Mm-hmm. All right. So this was an edition, another edition of Mr. Z and Fifth with mm-hmm. your host. Mr. Z. And Fifth. That's We're going right. to get up out of here. We'll see y'all next time. Right, cool. Peace. Peace. Peace.